It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now... Here's JT the Brick. JT, welcome back. It's our final hour of the week. What a beautiful day. I got Yankees, Red Sox. I have the Masters. Raider Nation Unite. Unbelievable. Hey, this hour brought to you by Modelo. I had a great breakfast meeting today with our friends at Modelo with the Fighting Spirit. And we will be hosting a remote for Modelo outside of Caesars Palace one of the days of the draft. So we got a bunch of cool stuff happening, finalizing everything. You know, I have my bucket of Modellos on Friday, and I'm hoping to do a Friday remote from the draft outside of Caesars, outside, looking back. It's going to be amazing. So stay tuned for that one. Modelo, the fighting spirit, Jim Plunkett, wink, wink. And what's going down? We love Jim Plunkett. I'll tell you more about that down the road, but thanks to Modelo. Proud partner here of the show. Now, I'm into baseball. And again, I love baseball. Scott Miller is one of the premier baseball insiders from MLB Network Radio. All the great work he's done with me over the years. He was at the Angels game last night. And now he has a few minutes with us today before day two of baseball is underway with the Yankees already in progress. Scott, thanks for doing this. Appreciate a few minutes. And let me jump in with the Dodgers. Are the Dodgers your clear favorite to get to the World Series? You know, I, I think you have to. Um, I mean, you look at that that lineup with all the MVPs and All-Stars in it, from Freddie Freeman to Mookie Betts, uh, you know, to Justin Turner. To, I know Cody Bellinger's not played well lately, but, you know, the, the big thing with them is going to be pitching. Walker Bueller, I think, is on deck to win a Cy Young Award or three. Um, Julio Arias, 20-game winner last year. You know, Clayton Kershaw, is he going to stay on the mound? You know, he's older, obviously. He's not quite what he once was, but still effective. You know, their fourth and fifth starter spots in the bullpen is going to tell the tale with the Dodgers. Scott, when it comes to the Giants or the Padres, Padres were big underachievers last year. The The Giants have been gritty and gutty since the Bochy Three World Series. Who do you think is going to put the most pressure on the Dodgers this year, Giants or Padres? You know, I mean, based on what happened last year and who's back, I, I think you have to say the Giants again. I mean, you know, 107 wins was no fluke last year. Now, the Giants are going to be worse. I think that's not a criticism. It's, you know, it's really hard to win 107 games. What they did last year was monumental. Um, they And I don't think the Dodgers will win 106 like they did last year. I, I would think both to come back to earth a little bit, but, you know, the, the, the Giants are so well run and they're so professional and the pieces all fit together. It's a very well constructed roster. Uh, you know, Padres certainly suffered a blow when Fernando Tatis Jr. broke his wrist in that motorcycle accident uh, over, the, over the winter. And, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions the Padres have to answer. Number one, you know, is Tatis Jr. going to come back in June or July as they hope? And if he, when, mm-hmm. if he does, is he effective? Is he going to be effective? I mean, as you know, a wrist, wrist and hand injuries for hitters can be devastating. You know, and they're pitching has to throw. You know, you Darvish, really good. Is he going to be what he was the first half of last year or the second? 
Uh, Blake Snell, is he ever going to be able to consistently go beyond four or five innings in the start? You know, some questions. Padres certainly have the talent, and they could they could rise up and pressure the Dodgers, but, you know, they have more to prove, I think, than, than anybody else. Scott Miller is our guest. Uh, Scott, the Cardinals with an aging Wainwright. Paul Holtz comes back. That's a great feel-good story. The aging Molina. One thing I like about that move is the fans love all those players. They're historical franchise players, and if they're contending – I would hope ownership would go out at the trade deadline and go get better players so they can compete against the Mets and the Dodgers and other teams in the National League if they think they're in it. Do you see them doing that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Cardinals usually figure out a way to stay in it and contend. Milwaukee in that division is really good again. Um, you know, it's the Cubs rising up and, and you know, getting Corbin Burns on, on opening day, but the Brewers are solid. Uh, Cardinals, I think, can be right there. And I, I do think that, uh, I mean, look, you know, th- th- their management, they've gone out and gotten players. They, they went out and traded for Paul Goldschmidt a couple years back. They went out and got Nolan Arenado. Um, yeah, I would expect them to be players at, at the trade deadline, which, incidentally, JT, is August 2nd this year, not July 31st, August 2nd. I would expect them to be players at the trade deadline if they're in it. I expect them to be in it. Scott Miller's our guest, a great baseball insider. So tell me about the Blue Jays and just a quick overview on them. As a Yankee fan, as you know I am, and for Boston fans, everybody's shaking their head now looking at the middle of that lineup, how good they could be. Are you buyers on them or are you fading them? Do you think they have a World Series run in them here? I do. I do. That, you know what, that lineup, I mean, those, the, the, the younger core they've got, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, uh, you know, they went out and got talent. I mean, the tr- acquiring third baseman Matt Chapman from Oakland is money. Um, he's got power. He's got gold glove defensive skills. Uh, George Springer, the center fielder, that, you know, that was with Houston during their World Series uh, uh, runs in 2017 and 19. Um, you know, t- Toronto is, uh, yeah, they're, you can't say enough, I don't think, about Toronto. And the other, I mean, you know, pitching, they lost Robbie Ray, the Cy Young winner. But, you know, they've added Kevin Gaussman, who had a real good year from San Francisco last year. Um, you know, Hyun Jin Ru. I think they've got enough to get by. they got a, 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 a young prospect, Alex Monoak, um, who is in the rotation, who who's, you know, should grow and, and be really good as the season goes on. Um, where Toronto's concerned, I think what's going to give them an, a boost of energy all summer long is they finally can play games at home in Toronto the last two years with the pandemic. Uh, you know, they've gallivanted all around. They've had to play their home games in Dunedin, Florida, their spring training site. They've had to play in Buffalo because of, you know, the, the Canadian border restrictions. And now they, they're going to play the full year in Toronto. I think that's going to help them. But that, that American League East is stacked. Toronto, Tampa Bay, Yankees, Boston, all four of those teams uh, are, are terrific. What are you hearing around the league, Scott, about the Yankees and their – I wouldn't say inability not to spend. They got a lot of expensive players. They're going to have to pay judge. But overall, they had a chance to pull the trigger on some other players in the offseason, and they didn't. What are your peers saying and other insiders that you talk to and people around baseball about the Steinbrenner's commitment to spend and win like they have in the past? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, they, they, they've gone full-on analytics in the last few years. Is, is, I mean, it started when they let Joe Torre go, and then, uh, it, you know, they, they, he was more old school, and, and they were moving into analytics, and, it, it, and they've really thrown themselves 100% into it. 
uh, in the last few years. And I mention that because what they're doing is they're not writing those big checks, as you said, for the free agents, um, where they just try to write a check and spend. They're trying to build based on some, their, their belief in analytics and what, what, you know, how they can play that think that you know build a roster through that you know and and it's worked some years better than others but it hasn't gotten them to a world series since 2009 and um you know so this year you're right they've got big payroll guys we'll see if they acquiesce to aaron judge's request to get to a long-term contract you know they you're right uh, you know guys like Giancarlo stanton and garrett cole they've picked their spots to spend money but um you know the rest of it trade you know they, they i think they've improved uh this year in terms of just through the trade market, not the free agent market, Josh Donaldson playing third base. That's an, you know, if he stays healthy, that that's going to be an upgrade catcher, you know, Gary Sanchez and all the past balls uh, are going to be, you know, a, a, a thing of the past. I mean, you know, they're going with uh, Kyle Higo Shoka. Um, you know, we'll see if he can handle it, you know, full time, um, you know, Jose Trevino behind him. They've got some young guys. Um, you know, I like that they added uh, the shortstop Isaiah Kiner Falafa. Um, he's he's not Carlos Correa, who obviously everybody wanted them to sign. But what he's going to do, JT, is he he helps round out their 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 gives them another uh, skill set on the field. I thought the last few years way too many strikeouts in that lineup. Uh, you know, guys like Stanton, Judge, Joy Gallo, strikeout, 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 if they don't hit home runs. I thought they needed to get more athletic and, and a little – they needed some guys who can move around on the bases and not clog the bases. And Kiner Falafla is is that type of player. So I, I think their roster – their lineup is a little more well-rounded this year. Whether it's enough well-rounded, we'll see. Scott, leave me with one player here. I want to mention Bryce Harper. As you know, I live in Vegas, and Bryce Harper hit 42 home runs home runs in 2015, and since then, no more than 35. I think this is the moment for him right now. I, I thought he had the ability to be a Mickey Mantle-type talent, one of the great young players in the game, and could sustain that over 15 to 18 years, be a DH, and still hit 30-plus home runs. Where is Harper in his career now? Can he have an assault on the MVP and win another one or two and be the player we always predicted? You know, I, I think he can. I think a couple things where Bryce Harper's concerned. The fact that he's now a couple years into his Philadelphia career, I think that's going to help. When he you know, went to Philadelphia, his first season there after signing the big free agent contract two years ago, 20, or 2019, I mean three years ago, um, I mean, especially when you come into a new city with a giant contract like that, I don't care who you are, you're, you're pressing. You're going to be pressing. And, you know, whether you're Bryce Harper or Willie Mays or Carlos Correa, you sign a contract like that, you know, it doesn't matter what the talent level is. And, you know, Philadelphia fans, as we know, it's a tough city. It's a great sports city, but it's tough, and they expect a lot. And I think, you know, the first year there were so many adjustments for Harper. And then the second year, was just 60 game season with COVID, um, you know. So really, I think now he's only entering he's, this season. He's playing at 29 years old, still in his prime. Um, he's a couple years into his Philly, the Philly part of his career now. So he's going to be more and more comfortable. I think he's, he's he's as I say, still in his prime. He's healthy, and 
you know, just as importantly, he's surrounded by some really good players now. Um, you know, what the Philly, what the Phillies have done under David Dombrowski, um, you know, from, you know, adding manager Joe Girardi, but, you know, more, more importantly than, than that even, um, you know, some of the, the moves they've made, you know, whether it's, you know, signing Kyle Schwarber, um, you know, Nick Castellanos this year is going to be big. If he hits behind Harper, as it looks like Harper will hit third, Castellanos fourth. Um, you know, that Harper's going to see more pitches the better the lineup is around him, and they're not. he's not going to get pitched around, and that's going to, I think, the combination of him being relaxed, more relaxed, and the, t- the better that he's in the middle of, that's, I think, going to lend itself to, sure, he, he absolutely can and should be an MVP candidate this year, next year, the year after that. Thanks again to the great Scott Miller. Cool that he called in. To have Scott, to have a guy like that, baseball insider and big baseball town here in Vegas as games are underway. Weather's been an issue back east, but, man, the weather is warm out west. And last night, Otani looked good. Hugh Darvish had a no-hitter through six in the desert for the Padres. Looking forward to seeing some good pitching. Uh, baseball underway in Detroit as I'm watching that on my screens here. All right, coming up next, we're going to go to the Greg Townsend interview that I did on Monday. Uh, everybody loved that. It's getting a huge download. If you didn't hear it during the week, we're starting to realize that Greg Townsend could be the most underrated Raider player of all time. Of all time. Underrated. He's a great player. Should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, gets a lot of respect around the Raider Nation, but he should be getting more around the NFL. So I was really proud of that conversation. If you missed that, that's coming up next. And then uh, we've got one more interview before we get out of here and I get back to the Masters. Will Blackman will join us, 12-year NFL safety, won a Super Bowl with the Giants. He's in the wine business, the spirits business with Charles Woodson. We'll talk to him about a lot of the NFL news and the Raiders getting Devontae Adams and the offseason for the silver and black. JT, Friday, Bucket of Modelo's, great weather, Tiger Woods at the Masters, all right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Burrow is going to throw it here on third down. Throws it in under. Not going to get the first down. It's going to be short of it by four yards, and the Raiders have done their job. The Bengals are forced to punt. JT back with you. Brent Mutzberger on the call. I'm really enjoying our look back at the draft. Now we're in the 80s. want to thank the Raiders alumni team for everything they do for us. And thrilled to talk to Greg Townsend again and hear his draft story and how he became a Raider legend. Greg, I hope you're doing well. Good to talk to you again. I hope everything's been great to you so far. Thanks for joining us. JT, it's always good to hear from you. And, and it's always good to talk with you as, as, as well. So, yeah, uh, the draft day for me, it was a, a day from heaven. Um, I didn't think I was going to get drafted. That's to be, let me be honest with that. I was a 235-pound defensive tackle coming out of a small school called TCU. So I didn't expect to get drafted. I was going to 
show up and give it the college try, if you will. Uh, but I was um, on draft day. I was washing my car, uh, thinking nothing of the draft again, like I said. And uh, I got an infamous phone call from Dan Connor. <laughs> and, wow. and he told me I was selected in the fourth round by the Los Angeles Raiders, man. Me and my mom jumped up and down. We we hugged and cried. We just didn't, couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Because, matter of fact, when the phone rang, it rang like about three times, and she said, answer the phone, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, Greg, I mean, I've talked to other teammates of yours, and we did the 70s and the 60s. I'm amazed at how many of you guys – didn't think the phone was going to ring. I mean, you had to have a conversation ahead of time. You know there were scouts involved. I mean, you guys are all humble, and you talk down this experience, but you really thought in the back of your mind it would be later than that or you'd be an undrafted free agent and have to prove yourself? I mean, come on. I'm 235 pounds. Yeah. I'm to play defense again. I, what, what was I supposed to think? Oh, they're going to come looking for me? No, no, not at all. I was more or less looking for them, and you're right. There were scouts involved, and and uh, I had some good uh, 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 I don't know what you want to call them, but when when they came to work us out, I mm-hmm. had some good workouts because you know I was I was a speedster, so I was busting four fives at, at times, and I was busting four five five. So I know that was getting some attention, but I mean I didn't think I was going to play defensive end <laughs> in the pros. <laughs> Greg Townsend joins us, so tell me about Mr. Davis. When he first saw you, and after the phone call from Dan Connors, and you get there, you get to training camp because clearly Mr. Davis, he's making all the decisions back then, like he always should have been doing because of his eye for talent. What was that like? What did he tell you in those first couple of sessions on why he picked you, and maybe picked you earlier than you thought? You know, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get a beat on that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I could never get a beat that he was enjoying what he picked or what what was out there. I just could never get a beat on that. So I uh, I can't answer that one like I think mm-hmm. I like I think you want me to answer. But I can say this though, um, when I did get to camp, Tom Flores pulled me to the side, and he says, "You know Don Kloppenberg?" I said, "Yes, I know Don Kloppenberg. He was my coach at junior college." at Long Beach City College. And he said, yeah, Don was my center at, at, in college. And he told me during a coaching clinic, if your name came up, I need to check you out. Incredible. And I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at looking at him he said, and check that out. He said, yeah. And I gave the film to my defensive line coach, who was Earl Leggett at the time. He says, uh, and Earl came back five minutes later after looking at the film, said, yeah, we want to get him. That that was impressive to me, you know, when the head coach and the D line coach kind of came together on some kind of head 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 uh, trip and says we want to get this guy. Now that's who I didn't want to disappoint more than Mr. Davis, if you will, the guys who went out there and stuck they what I call stick their neck out to get somebody like myself. Greg Townsend is our guest, Raider legend. Looking back at that draft, Don Mosbar, first round. Bill Pakel, second round. Tony Caldwell, linebacker, third round. You in the fourth round. Then Doki Williams. Also, Mervin yeah. Fernandez in the tenth round. Mervin from – I'm looking at the years. I'm looking at the years you guys yeah. played. You, 83 yeah. to 97. Caldwell, 83 to 87. 
Pikel 83 to 94, Mosbar 93 to 94. What was your early memory with that draft class and your brothers coming in? That's a hell of a class. That is a hell of a class. And uh, the first person I met in that class was uh, Bill Pikel. Mm-hmm. And Bill Pikel was a big guy. So when I met him, I'm thinking, yeah, he's looked like he looked like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a pro already. And then I was rooming with uh, I first room with Doki Williams until the one day he got up and left me sleep and almost missed practice. <laughs> I told him I wanted to be out of his room <laughs> or him out of my room. However, we want to say it, phrase it. And then to- I wind up rooming with Tony Caldwell. Uh, who was a, a great linebacker who just couldn't get his jive going once he played because we had some great linebackers out there <laughs> at the time. And uh, that Don Mosbar is the gentleman. I mean, he's, he's, he's the awesome USC cat I ever want to meet. I remember one time I was getting some water, and he says, how you doing, Mr. Townsend? I was like, Donnie, you ain't got to call me Mr. Townsend. He said, yeah, that's what you do when you respect people. I'm just like, wow. you guys are crazy. Yeah, you guys are crazy, man. <laughs> Greg Townsend is our guest. So, Greg, you heard the rumors. I mean, you come from Dominguez, Compton, California. You go to TCU. You come to the L.A. Raiders in the 80s, man. I've read books about the 80s in L.A. from everything that was happening around, from drugs to gang violence to football to celebrity, the Sunset Strip. What was it like knowing the town, getting dropped back in the town, fighting for your position and an opportunity to play? What were the distractions like, or how did you keep the distractions at, at bay? Well, you know, I come from a good background. My mom and dad, they instilled in me a, a lot of uh, good uh, uh, will, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were churchgoers. That's why I went to TCU. And matter of fact, I'm still coaching over at Compton College now still. So I'm just out there trying to still uh, make sure the the city has a good name or good people that come back and, and show up and show out, if you will. And uh, the way I just did it, just kept my nose clean. I had I had a daughter, too, when I came to Crows. My daughter was about four or five years old at the time, maybe six. And uh, so I, I just had that kind of deal to deal with than the other stuff to deal with. So I just kept my nose clean and kept it to the grind, and that's what I'm teaching these kids out here today. Greg Townsend is our guest. Rich Murata, former play-by-play voice, reminded me in 83 on Monday night game, you picked up a dolphin fumble and ran it back 60 yards for a TD, and your greatest games were against Elway and the Broncos. You and I talked about that several times when I've had you on the radio. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider, because in your career, the Eagles move and then back to the Raiders. Seems like out of all the people I interview, the Raiders are in your blood, your DNA. I mean, this is everything in your life as a football player. And to get drafted by this team and have an unbelievable career with so many highlight moments, it all goes back to that draft, Greg. If you don't get selected at 110 and you get selected at 107 or 114 or 119, it's a completely different life. When you look at fate, how important was that draft pick and how it changed your life as a man? Man, you're giving me chills over here, JT. I'm getting just chills thinking about all that stuff. You're right, because it, it, it was a really – I, you're right. I don't see myself doing nothing else but playing for the Raiders, man, because 
when Tom Floyd stuck his neck out there for me, I felt obligated to him as he probably did to me. Then when Earl Leggett got hold to me and taught me some technique, I got out there and on the field and it was working. <laughs> and then it became this, this matrimony thing with the, uh, the, me wanting to make big plays all the time. And uh, how I used to do that, and I felt like I used to do that. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had that kind of will because I used to eat nachos Saturdays before the game. <laughs> and I, and I hated, I hated at that time, I hated jalapenos. So I felt like if I can eat a jalapeno, I deserve a sack <laughs> on, on Sunday. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I can only do about three. And I, I'm, I'm, this is the honest God truth. I used to do three, and I did expect three sacks in that game. And that was the mindset. That was just my mindset. Earl Leggett was a coach who never – you could never satisfy him. And by him – by me understanding I could never satisfy him, I never was going to be satisfied on the field with one sack, two sacks, or fumble cause or fumble recovery. I just, I just want to keep playing, keep doing it, keep doing it. So – that was the thing about that. And, and then when I became that guy for the Raiders, you know, the all-time sack leader, the, the, the uh, guy that got the most touchdowns, the most fumble recalls, most fumble recoveries, interceptions, and touchdowns, I just thought, you know, then I done made my mark here. And I'm hoping everybody uh, see that, man, this guy came from obscurity uh, from somewhere, and he became now our best defense alignment that pretty much played for the Raiders. Everybody's chasing Greg Townsend now. They are. Greg Townsend, our guest. Before we wrap this up, so many people ask me, why isn't Greg in the Hall of Fame? We'll get to Cliff in a second. What answer do you give everybody? 109 and a half sacks, the falls, the interceptions, as you mentioned, playing for the Fame Raiders, getting a Super Bowl ring. How do you handle that and live with that, knowing how passionate you are that you should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I think of the Hall of Fame as, uh, you know, passing me by. Yeah, you're right. And how do I answer that? I just tell the people who, who, who speaks the, on that about to me that if I'm in your Hall of Fame, I'm cool with that. I am so cool with that. Maybe it's something else. I'm supposed to be in some other fame because the Hall of Fame, I'm maybe too big for that. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, we got all them great players in there, and these great players can't even choose who should be in the hall with them. And that's a crime. So when I, when I, when, when I, I just can't, I can't make a guy watch football because that's what you have to do to see me. I didn't do a lot of hoopla. I didn't do a lot of media. I didn't do a lot of commercials. I didn't do a lot of anything. I did my job and I went home. That's what I did. And so that's why people probably don't have an idea who who the Raiders' all-time sack leader is. Well, I do. I've known for a while, and the career has been amazing. Let's get to Cliff and Clifford getting in the Hall of Fame. You know he's Mark Davis's, was Mark's best friend. You know how important it was to clean up that injustice by the Hall of Fame. Cliff won't be there for the party. His family will be, his former teammates. Can you share a Cliff story uh, in the beginning when you came in as he was a veteran and, and how he helped along the way and how important this milestone is for him and his family and the Raiders. Cliff was a, was 
was a now you talking about a raider he's a raider you you, you can't go i mean i was a little kid watching cliff bradge mm-hmm. play and watching that 21 going down the field and stretching the defense and and then got the nota guy he's a genuine guy too he, i loved i love cliff branch i did a lot of signings with cliff branch i did a lot of appearance with cliff branch they told me cliff was going to be there i just knew i was i wanted to be there too i just love the guy and I, and i'm angry that he's not alive to 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 be honored like this um that's 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 i'm angry mm-hmm. so my cliff story is um, I wish he was here to get his award because he deserved it. He deserved it, and and I'm just I'm just angry that yeah. he won't be here to get it. Yeah, I hear that a lot, Greg, and I think everybody's going to have a tough time and have to put that behind him and now turn it into a party mode because that's what Cliff would want, right? You know, Cliff Cliff knew everybody was fighting for him, and we've talked about it many times, and now if everybody can kind of take that vibe and move into a positive side. We got to turn it around. We got to turn that anger into some party mode. You're right. Hey, Greg, last one. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's what he would want. You're right, JT, and you know him him good too, you know, because that's what he would want, and I'm glad you said that. Finally, Mad Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. I've told this to Fred Bolitnikoff. When I see Fred sitting on the bench with Hunter Renfro, it almost brings a tear to my eye because you see the legend with the new young player. And I hope you're around more because I see you at the games. Pre-game for you to look at Max 10 minutes before the game and now Chandler Jones who has more sacks than anyone since 2012 and it's 2022 I think it's going to be great for you to be around these guys as the Raiders now are coming off 10 wins and got to take it even higher with this new coaching staff. How excited are you for the upcoming season? You know, I, like I said, I'm over at Compton College. I'm coaching over there, so it's going to be hard for me to make some games. But uh, I would wish that uh, the Raiders would pull me in there to just, like you said, just to be around the boys. Because I know with Hunter Renfro, he was catching those little nuggets that, that Fred Freddie was dropping. And you know, and that's what that's what we do. We just drop little nuggets to these young young kids to make sure that they can get ahead of this thing before it gets ahead of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if we can show them a, or teach them or drop a, a hint to them, like do this, do that. You should think about this, think about that. You should try this. That's that. And I mean, it's got to speak volume because you no, know, if it works for Freddie, it got it could work for. For Hunter Renfro, and if it worked for Greg Townsend, it could work for Matt Crosby and Jones, Chandler Jones. Absolutely, and I'll reach out to both of them too. Greg, thanks for the time. Really memorable conversation. I can't wait to see you out here more. Continued success with your coaching and your family, and thanks so much for sharing your draft story with us. Thank you too, JT. I love you, brother. Thanks, Greg, and I hope everybody enjoys that on a Friday. You know, that's what we're doing here. We're giving you a heavy dose. This week was the 80s. Next week, the 90s. I mean, great job by the Raiders Alumni Department. How about that? And the level of guests that we've been getting here. And we came together on that a couple of weeks ago. And the entire team there is fantastic. And I meet with them and they, have, they come up with ideas. And this organization cares so much about the alumni. And I wanted you to hear that on Friday because Greg had a big impact. A lot of downloads for that interview. A lot of people uh, reached out to me privately 
and talked about it again. And maybe I think, and I hope so, and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Greg. The connection now with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, if I could be a tiny, tiny, tiny brick in that bridge to get Greg with those guys to open up communication lines. Max Crosby wanted the interview, which was really cool that Max uh, got back to me on that. I really appreciate Max. Max listens. Max understands Raiders as good as anybody I know here on this roster. Max is available to us via text, phone call, interview at the facility. No one gets it more than Max Crosby that I know, and this is my 24th year coming up with the team. There's been other guys who have been over the top and generous to me over their careers, even if it was a year or whatever, but Max just gets it. You know, they, he announced that a new baby's coming, a little girl. He's always out on social media, and whenever something happens, he'll text me, I'll text him, and he wanted the Greg Townsend interview because he believes uh, Greg is that special of a player, and he's the all-time sax leader. And maybe someday we'll have a conversation with Max Crosby, who will be the all-time sax leader for the Raiders. And if not, he'll still be in the fraternity with Howie Long, right, and Greg Townsend, and all the great players that have ever played on the Raiders, especially on the defensive front, which I think got a massive upgrade because of Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, remember, there's a big, deep connection between Howie Long and Greg Townsend. How was Howie able to benefit from Greg Townsend? Big, huge, helped Howie go into the Hall of Fame. How did Howie help Greg Townsend? Huge. I think Howie was double-teamed a lot. Greg was not on certain plays. Greg was double-teamed. Those two guys were tied together, and maybe we see something like that with Chandler Jones. Yannick Ngakwe played really well last year. I think most of us thought that that would be you know, a tandem that would last for a long time together, but the Raiders made a decision and were able to, by moving Yannick Ngakwe, and we wished him well, that got us Rock Yassin who came in. Rocky Sims coming in to play cornerback, and he's supposed to start. So the depth of getting Chandler Jones and a starting cornerback seems to be a big upgrade for the silver and black. 702-365-9200. Friday, big Friday here. A lot happening. Golden Knights spent a lot of time. We had a couple of guests this week. They got to almost win out, as Dave Gosher told us yesterday. They need to win seven out of their last ten. They got to go seven and three, he thought, to get in. So that'll be important here over the weekend. And the Masters, again, I haven't spent a lot of time on it this hour, but I am just all over the Masters. That's where I'll be. I'll be tweeting all weekend about the Masters, getting into it, and hopefully I come back here on Monday and we have a lot to talk about. Do I think Tiger will win? I won't go out on a limb that way. I never predicted he would win. I, pre- I predicted uh, Xander Shoffley. But if Tiger can kind of continue this and we have more Tiger to talk about, I'll be really happy about that. Friday, thanks to all of our partners, as always, here, especially my friends at Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Uh, Sam and Ash plays a big role in the Dollar Loan Center now as they're supporting the teams that play there, and we appreciate them. If you get into any type of accident and you need an injury attorney, call my friend Sam and Ashley at 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. On this Friday, SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. JT, welcome back as we are here Friday, heading into a great weekend, hot weekend. 
all throughout the West Coast. The weather in San Diego, the weather in Oakland, the weather in Los Angeles. Heat wave coming here. Should be a great weekend as the pools are open. Act responsibly in a pool. Here in Vegas, you can swim up to a blackjack dealer and you can get buzzed and accidentally spend $650 on a bottle of vodka while you're in the pool. Pool season is open and they know you're coming. And the restaurants know you're coming. Perfect time for my next guest. Will Blackman, kind enough to join us. 12 years in the NFL as a safety. Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants. Came in with the Green Bay Packers. And we love catching up with them. And Will knows I love peppery Cabernets. I like strong Cabernets, and he's been trying to change and help me change my palate for quite some time, and he's kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Will, I hope you're doing well. How are you, my friend? <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I could not be better. How are you? First, how's the wine business? How has your palate oh. grown and your experience has grown since I last talked to you? Yeah, all is good. I mean, my palate is forever growing. Uh, my company, the Wine MVP, is, is doing well. Man, I've been Sharing out events and tastings, and um, yeah, pretty soon our, our new wine club is going to be launched. I just finished signing the agreement, and yeah, let's roll. And then, yeah, what am I drinking currently? Well, actually, I jumped on the um, I'm on the board of Knocking Point Wines on their team, Sommelier and uh, Ashen and Mila, uh, Ashen Kutcher, Mila Kunis. They have a wine uh, part of it called Outside Wine, and when you drink the wine, there actually is a charity you donate it to when you finish the bottle. It's like hitting inside. So right now, uh, for obvious reasons, their their bottle is supporting uh, Ukraine. So it's pretty cool. That is important to stay on top of, of what they've done as a couple and the amount of money. I remember at one point, I think it was $30 million and going. It's probably much higher than that because of the atrocities right. in Ukraine. Isn't that incredible that a couple – can be that far ahead and everything that Ashton Kutcher was able to do in his life and see ahead from, you know, all technology and the stock market. A lot of people don't know that. And to have the ability to give back through wine, I find that amazing, Will. It is, but he's a Bears fan, so we'll talk about that all day. Oh, he is a Bears fan. Hey, let's talk about the offseason and what you thought about Devontae Adams. And you played in Green Bay. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers won his second MVP, all credit to Aaron back-to-back MVPs at his age is truly incredible. And Devontae was going to get paid if he stayed there, and he would have been guaranteed, Will, an easier road with Aaron Rodgers in that division than the much much tougher road he took here in Las Vegas with his college quarterback, Derek Carr. But I guess the money counted, maybe no state taxes, maybe a good friendship with Derek Carr. How would you see that and why he didn't stay in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, we can see, we can go through uh, many things. You know, we can look at it like, you know, the relationship or the state taxes or maybe the longevity. Maybe, maybe the the future in Green Bay is uncertain. You know, um, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, yeah, maybe Ryan, maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers did get his his deal, and who knows? Maybe he's still in play uh, for a for a different destination. So. There, there was something there where I think he's looking in the future of what's going on, and he was like, "Man, this is the the better situation for him." And he probably was just ready for a fresh start. I know, I know it sounds crazy because I mean, like them two, uh, you know, probably arguably as of late have been the best one-two punch when it comes to quarterback and receiver um, combination. But yeah, I mean, only only Devontae really knows why, and uh, for whatever reason he he decides to, it, it will make sense. 
former 12-year NFL safety and Super Bowl champ Will Blackman is our guest. Well, same thing for Tyreek. Is that similar, too? Because it didn't look like they were going to break the bank to keep him in Kansas City. He goes to Miami where he stays and trains. Drew Rosenhaus put that deal together. They're not a playoff team. They're coming off the Brian Flores firing. What do you think about Tyreek? He stays in the AFC, but with an inferior team that he had dominating in Kansas City. Yeah, I think, you know, once once they saw what Devontae got, that he's like, oh, okay, you know, I got to go get mine as well. And, I mean, for Tyreek, it's kind of like he, he he's already done everything. You know, he's won a championship. He's put up insane numbers. He, he, knows, he knows what it's like to be on a, a dominant team. And it's like, man, once you do that, it's like, go get your money, you know. Um, I'm a big supporter of, man, like, it's all downhill now. You're, you hit the pinnacle. You know what it's like to get a ring. Um, and maybe he goes on there and helps lead. You know, the Dolphins made several moves to try to help that. It looks like, obviously, they're sticking with Tua as their guy uh, with their new head coach and everything. So uh, who's who's an offensive uh, mind? Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, for Tyreek, I mean, yeah, I mean, for him, I, it made the most sense to go do that. Hey, well, you've been down this road before, even after you won a Super Bowl and proved you were a really good player. You came in with the Packers and the Giants with your championship when – you take these team visits in the offseason, a honey badger. Tyron Matthews is a good example. I mean, he's not going to take being lowballed. He's going around visiting New Orleans, and his agent must be telling him, look, you know, how come another team hasn't gobbled you up and overpaid for you? That's the type of guy in free agency you overpay for because he's got a ring. He's one of the best at his position. What's it like when you're thinking and talking to your agent and starting to go on team visits, but you're not getting the deal, the market that you want? How do you deal with that? Well, you know, I, I never, I was never in his situation where, you know, I'm an all pro uh, safety walking around as a free agent. I was never, uh, I never had a luxury of that. But, you know, I've, I've been in free agencies where it's like, you know, you got a couple of suitors, but there's an opportunity waiting for you on the table. And it's like, hey, you know, you kind of do you wait or do you take it? Because, you know, teams need to make moves. So for me, I kind of was like, I looked at the whole situation, not just like financially, but also is it, you know, my family is comfortable that we want to move around a lot because we moved around a ton. And so it comes down to certain things like that. But for him, I think he's just taking his time and just waiting for the best situation. I think that's um, what, what Tyron is looking for right now. And I, I, I actually, it's funny when I saw uh, Williams go to uh, Baltimore and get that big deal, I'm like, okay, they need a safety. And this is back in March. I was like, man, I think Honey Badger moved back to the boot. So he's visiting now. He's still 29 years old. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, that's somebody you definitely would pay for. He definitely upgrades anyone's defense immediately because he could do so much. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Well, as we wrap it up, what can you share with us on your experiences back then when they were the Redskins, now the Commanders? Daniel Snyder's getting a lot of heat now, a congressional inquiry up on Capitol Hill. Did they skim some money off the top for tickets, the culture, the cheerleaders? And there are a couple of former players from that organization who feel more and more comfortable speaking up about their time there, even Alex Smith. Uh, how do you handle that question when it's asked about your time in the nation's capital with that owner, considering the Wolves are at the door and it looks like he might be out of the sport pretty soon? Well, JT, I'm the king of minding my own business. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So when I all when right. I went to Washington, I was I was all about ball. You know, um, I – everything that happened, it was what it was. I always say the the front office management is upstairs and whatever, whatever went on upstairs went upstairs, you know. 
Um, and, yeah, and sure, when I was there, there was a lot of things going on between, you know, the owner, the president, the general manager, and all kinds of stuff. And we knew about it. But at the end of the day, we still had to put product in the field. You know, 2015, yeah, there was so much drama within the facility. But for some reason, you know, we still won the division, you know, and made the playoffs because you have to control what you can control, you know. Um, and also, I would say we had a we had a veteran team. So our team was able to handle, excuse me, something like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate, you know, he's, I mean, it is what it is, but uh, yeah, I, I did everything to just like, you know, mom my business, stay out of it. I, we, everyone can have their opinions, but I, I'm not going through it. You know what I mean, JT? So I just, I got you pro yeah, pros pro. Yeah. I had to ask you, as you know, how to ask you. No, that's of course. A, that's oh, a no, you can ask. I, I, I have yeah. my opinions. Like, I don't know the truth of really what's going on. Okay. Um, with all that stuff, um, but I just know there's there's been a lot of things with that organization that was you know uh, they were so focused on more so what's going on with with their reputation versus like product on the field. And I think you know when when Coach Rivera came in, he made a lot of decisions that would help mm-hmm. put the intention back on uh, on the field uh, doing that. So yeah, I mean. Hopefully things go well for, for them as a team, but yeah, it's, it's tough when you have a list things. And so far, he's uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. All right. Well, last question. We started with wine. We'll end with wine. Big question for our listeners: You're in a restaurant, and you you got to get wine. <laughs> you're at a restaurant. You're with your partner, your gal, whoever you're with there, and you know someone wants wine. You want wine, but you start looking and you see the prices, and you got a seventy dollar bottle at home that's there for one eighty. You look at the wine list and you're going, oh, my God, some people want to go to the cheapest wine that they can recognize, know they're going to pay a premium. What is your secret in a restaurant to finding value with wine, knowing the markup is big, especially where I live in Vegas? I mean, the markup is huge. How do you navigate oh, I know. through I that? At, I was older? at SW. Trust me, I was at SW at the win, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and they do. Yeah, they do jack them up. But the, the trick is don't get something you had, right? You know, if you have if you have that seventy dollar bottle at home and you've already had it, then why would you go to a restaurant and pay more for a wine you've already tried? You know, if you're gonna spend and find a wine, you're like, man, I haven't had this. I never bought it. I, I want to try it. So if you're gonna spend money on something, spend money on something that you haven't tried. It's fascinating we talk about this because, again, we laugh about this, but wine's important because some guys want watches, other guys want to drive really fancy cars. And I'm not one of those guys. I, I don't have to have the nicest car in the neighborhood, but I like good wine. And it's always you're going to be in business a long time, my friend, doing this because everybody who gets into wine and enjoys it never goes back. And it's a pleasure for the remainder of your life. Yeah, I don't need a fancy car because I'm Ubering everywhere from all these wine events. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Will. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Hi, buddy. My man. Thanks to Will for joining us again and uh, his wine business is really blowing up there. I hope he continues to do well. You know, Charles Woodson has his bourbon whiskey. He's a sponsor of ours during football season. We recommend everybody get uh, Woodson bourbon whiskey. On top of that, we're dealing with Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, Modelo. I'm about to have my bucket of Modellos as I reward myself on a Friday. And Will Blackman in the wine business. He's got a great career in front of him as a businessman as we keep rocking here on Friday. And I'm getting ready to throw the Masters on on the back end of this round today. Bobby's birthday was yesterday. Bobby did a tremendous job all week putting the show together. And a big week next week as we'll get into the 90s. 
of the Raiders draft. I'm supposed to do a show next week at some time at the facility and hopefully a little bit more movement with the draft talk. We'll be able to announce our new partners and the remotes that we're going to do the week of the draft. We'll be doing appearances and radio remotes on Thursday, Friday of the draft. Uh, Hopefully the Raiders will see if they have to stay at the third round. Uh, There'll be a talk of conversation on Friday and hopefully Raider fans dominate the strip and they're up and down the strip. And all the analysts who are there, right, by the link in that unbelievable tented-off area, is they're talking, not because the Raiders have a pick, and maybe they do, they trade in, but if they don't, there's a sea of silver and black. Sea of silver and black coming from the strip, walking back to the link, and everybody who's there on the stage can see the silver and black and all the Raider fans that are out there. One of the most important moments in Raider history and Vegas history as the NFL is hosting the draft in Las Vegas, and we own it this month on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.